Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Thursday, December 30th, 2021. I am John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary Magazine, and I am here yet again to ask you, as the year comes to a close in 48 hours, to consider commentary for your end of year giving. It is vitally important to us and to our mission. We have wonderful subscribers and wonderful advertisers who help support about two thirds of our spending. And we have another third that we need uh, donors to help us with to close our deficit. And we have many generous people and I would be very grateful if you would join their ranks at www.commentary.org slash donate. We are a lean mean organization. We have eight employees in total doing everything. That's the putting out the magazine, putting out the website and doing this daily podcast there are four of us and four others. That's all we got. So you know your dollar is going very far when you give it to commentary. A 501c3 nonprofit, fully tax deductible. Once again, www.commentary.org slash donate. With me as always, executive editor, Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Senior writer, Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And associate editor, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. So we thought we would take today to discuss our favorite holiday movie fair. Uh, and uh, we are, of course, you're, you're hearing this after the holidays, though I will confess that we are recording it before, before Christmas. So there will be some Christmas fair and there will be some after Christmas fair uh, holidays in general. And we got some light stuff. we got some dark stuff. we got some stuff in between. we got Christmas stuff. we got New Year's stuff. So, um, Abe, why don't you kick us off with your uh, your recommendation for a for something to enjoy in this uh, in this period? So uh, this is now I've I've been I've been uh, big on this movie for about five years or so. Watch it every year. Um, I it's it is to me a classic. Uh, part of what drew me to it was that I didn't um, when you sort of hear about all the and start seeing all the, the, the classic Christmas movies coming on uh, TV. I had actually never seen this one in the mix. You see Miracle on 34th Street, or obviously It's a Wonderful Life. But um, I think this deserves to be up there. It is A Holiday Affair in 19, from 1949. Stars Janet Leigh, Robert Mitchum, and Wendell Corey. And uh, this fantastic child actor, Gordon Giebert, uh, who... Does a, a turns in a great job as uh, Timmy, as every kid in a holiday movie should be named. Um, uh, Tiny that, Timmy. You're right, exactly. And it is a romantic comedy. It all takes place in New York. And so it is also actually a great New York movie. There's a lot of uh, lovely scenes that take place in Central Park. And among the things that are so interesting about it, basically it is, uh, uh, Janet Lee is a, uh, comparison shopper for one department store. She is widowed. Her husband died in the war. She's left with little Timmy at home. And uh, she has been dating uh, this wonderful upstanding man played by Wendell Corey. I believe he, yeah, he is a lawyer. And then uh, she, fate intervenes in the form of Robert Mitchum, who works at a department store where she is sort of a department store that she's been assigned to sort of size up. Um, so she purchases a gift there. He's onto her. And uh, of course they have this explosive chemistry that, that puts a, a wrench in, into the works. One of the things I love about it is that it is Robert Mitchum in a way that you really don't 
ever see him anywhere else. He is not a, he's not a, a, a bad guy. He's not a, he's not a, a cowboy. Um, he is just this uh, lovable, somewhat, you know, sort of um, unrooted uh, 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 lead in, in, a, in a romantic comedy. You know, he's, he's, he's a bit of a wild card, but he's not evil uh, in any way. So um, interestingly enough, I, I found out that, so the movie's in 1949, Mitchum was busted for pot in LA in I think late 48. And I think uh, his taking this sort of one-off more cuddly role was uh, at least in part an effort to rehabilitate his image. Um, and he, he pulls it off. It's, it's, it's a great movie. You know, to, uh, our Terry Teachout, Commentary Magazine's critic at large, wrote a really great piece uh, uh, 12 years ago almost uh, about Robert Mitchum called The Star Who Didn't Care, um, which is all about how he was, uh, he was inclined toward a certain type of torpor uh, in many of his parts where he would, even though he was, you know, this uh, ultra cool hipster you know, early reefer smoker, you know, uh, jazz aficionado, all of that. But he, uh, uh, but, but somebody who, who seemed often to just be phoning it in. And yet, uh, uh, as, as Terry notes, uh, Charles Lawton, who directed him in his, probably his best movie, The Night of the Hunter, in which he plays a, a, a berserk backwoods preacher, um, said, uh, said he would have, uh, he would have made a great Macbeth for example, and he, he had this ability every now and then to shake himself loose of this uh, excessive cool and, and really uh, dig into a part. Uh, it's a great piece, The Star Who Didn't Care. If you go to Google and just Google Terry Teachout Robert Mitchum commentary, you can read this um, very fine analysis of his work, which doesn't mention A Holiday Affair, which is really is, in fact, an absolutely wonderful movie. Christine, you got three, I believe. To, I do, to and, I, and I have a caveat, which is that, so my, the way I assess something I will watch every year for a holiday fair is that it can't annoy me. And this grew out of the fact that as a kid, I was in ballet and I, we did the Nutcracker every year and I loved the Nutcracker, the Nutcracker. Every time I heard the music, I would just think, oh, it's almost Christmas, it's great, it's the Nutcracker, we're gonna dance and dance. And then as a young adult, I, I was a substitute bassoonist in Florida Orchestra performances of the Nutcracker and I had to play it like constantly and it started to bother me. And then my younger sister was also a professional musician and she was playing it all the time. And so we, we sort of bonded over how now if we hear the Nutcracker in a mall, we want to flee. So that so my bar is set like, does this make me want to run out of the room? There are three movies in our family that we kind of love to rewatch year after year that, that are our holiday uh, staples. The first, of course, is Die Hard, which is a Christmas movie. The second is Home Alone, which is very sweet. And um, uh, the why am I blanking on? Oh, the uh, uh, why am I blanking on the third? I just National you, oh, sorry. Lampoon's Thank Christmas you. The Vacation. classic of classics, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. What ties together these three movies, which we tend to watch over the course of the week leading up to the holiday, is that it's a, they're, they capture beautifully when Christmas goes somewhat wrong. And if you're a perfectionist or an OCD type holiday planner, everyone has all these plans, well-laid plans go awry. And these movies capture the comedy of life when your perfect holiday just goes, you know, belly up. So we love them be, for, for that reason. We also, we tend to love comedy and action movies in our household. Uh, but those are the three that I can rewatch every year and not be annoyed. And that's my low bar, but, but they're quite enjoyable. 
I have two things to say. Number one, I want to tell a story about the Nutcracker and my my my, my great niece Lily, uh, who uh, turns six this week, uh, and her mother uh, took her and her sister and brother to see the Nutcracker um, at the Washington uh, Ballet, I guess, uh, in the last couple of days. And uh, at some point during the second act, Lily turned to to her mother and said, "Mommy." I don't understand what this has to do with nuts and crackers. <laughs> that was probably during a, the Arabian coffee number. but <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, anyway, I think it's the perfect response to ballet in my opinion altogether. But, uh, but um, I'm fascinated by National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation in, in, in two regards. One of which is, of course, it's totally discontinuous from the two vacation movies that preceded it, which are really about sort of like a harried middle-class household. And suddenly the Griswolds are now sort of like very upper middle-class, very affluent, living in this very affluent neighborhood. And Clark has become, and the person of Chevy Chase has become sort of like the ultimate crazed suburban dad, which isn't really the role that he plays in the, in the previous uh, but he's But he's anxious about it, right? He has yes. to get that bonus. That's the whole theme. Is right. like they're That's teetering right. on the edge yeah. of falling back yeah. down. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and the other thing that I really love about it or find it fascinating is that the villains are childless yuppies. Childless yuppies, one of whom is played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, of course. Yeah, uh, not yet. It's kind of brilliant in it, too. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, who is not yet, uh, I think, either Elaine or or uh, Selena Meyer from Veep. Or maybe she was, or maybe it was early Elaine. I don't really remember, but I... Very early Elaine, I think. It was 89. Okay. No, that was pre-Elaine. So pre-Elaine. this was, yeah. And I think it might have been she and her husband, Brad Hall, might actually have been the other, might have been playing her uh, husband. No, it no, wasn't it's not. Brad okay. Hall. Sorry. Yeah, it was anyway. a forgettable male actor. But, Sorry, but basically actor. the whole thing is about how these, you know, yuppies are like trying to ruin this family man's Christmas. And it's a, it's sort of a funny thing, you know, as we moved on. 30 years later and have this kind of weird uh, national division between the, between the parented and the unparented it's sort of an interesting uh take noah as as you have been all week i think you're about to go very dark on us (laughs) it should be clear at this point uh the entertainment in my household when it's just me and my wife is involves copious amounts of bloodletting uh that's just what really gets us where we need to be so my entry in this is it's a late addition to the canon came out last year it's mel gibson's fat man um so christmas movies to me are all schlock uh generally don't have much entertainment value besides the atmospherics and the atmospherics are always and forever when the kids go to sleep you put this thing on as you're wrapping presents so you're not really watching it it's just kind of on in the background and this is a perfect one for that um it's a reimagining um mel gibson's reimagining of uh santa claus as sort of this harried um manufacturer uh who's facing you know uh, increasing increasing reduced returns on his investments and is trying to you know get contracts or the contracts with the federal government and the defense department to try to float this business which is you know otherwise sort of uh failing on him and then one of uh somebody a child uh, a overprivileged child who 
resents um, the 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 lack of presence that he's getting from Santa resolves to hire a hitman to take out Santa, who's also the hitman played by Walton Goggins, who we talked about uh, in previous uh, podcasts, who turns in who's, you know, exclusively pegged as the heavy in every everything he plays, but does a fantastic job with that character. Um, and yeah, so it's just a it's a it's a as Christmas movies go, I find it enjoyable in part because it sort of turns the genre on its head and gives you a really gory R-rated version of a Christmas movie that uh, can keep your attention as an adult and um, satisfy your need for Christmas atmospherics in the background uh, and and yet also, you know, be kind of entertaining and not be totally monotonous and something you've seen 8,000 times. So that's my entry. Okay, I'm I'm going to go with New Year's movies. And there are two real classic New Year's movies since we have New Year's coming up in, in two days. I mean, there are many, there's New Year's Day. There are many movies in which their New Year's is featured. <clears throat> one of them <clears throat> is very light and one of them is quite dark. Um, <clears throat> they're both great. The, the light one is When Harry Met Sally, uh, which is, of course, probably the signature uh, romantic comedy of the last 30, 35 years. The movie that, ask the question whether a, a man and a woman can be friends or will sex always get in the way. And of course the, uh, takes place over the course of, of 12 years, a, an endlessly rewatchable movie. One of the great New York movies, maybe the only great university of Chicago movie, uh, speaking as a graduate of the university of Chicago, where it begins, where implausibly Harry and Sally, uh, begin, uh, their lives together as, uh, as, as recent graduates driving from Chicago, uh, to New York since they both look like they're about 60. So it's a little, it's a little, uh, little unbelievable, but uh, a really terrific New York movie carrying Christmas trees in the streets, you know, having dates on Madison Avenue, stuff like that. And uh, the, the scene where they, th there are two New Year's scenes in the movie, uh, one where they almost fall in love. And then the next one, a year later, when uh, they have uh, fallen into terrible strife and he, runs to her to tell her he loves her wants to spend the rest of his life with her um and uh y y there's there are very few movies in my experience that uh you can watch fresh even if you know them by heart as i pretty much know this movie by heart and and not and not be bored i don't know why maybe you would be bored i don't know but i'm not bored the other and and, and probably a greater movie and a much more interesting to movie tonally is the apartment with Jack Lemmon, uh, and uh, you know the the story of a of a of a diffident young executive who finds himself rising in the ranks at his company because the senior managers uh, discovered that they can take advantage of his bachelor pad for their assignations with their mistresses. And Fred McMurray is the CEO of the company, and he is or, or one of the one of the big figures in this create sort of like ultimate mid-century American corporation, you know, where everyone works in one gigantic, where 2,000 people are working in one gigantic room at an endless row of desks. Um, and Fred McMurray is having an affair with Jack Lemmon's uh, desired woman, the elevator operator played by Shirley MacLaine. Um, and he uh, screws her over, kind of. He is supposed to spend New Year's, New, New Year's with her, <laughs> doesn't, and then forgets to get her a present. 
or Christmas present. I can't remember what the sequence is, but ends up just giving her cash, making her feel like she's a whore. And then she goes to Jack Lemmon's apartment and attempts suicide. Uh, And, you know, the last 45 minutes of the movie are about Jack Lemmon trying to keep her alive. Um, And it is Christmas to New Year's. It is hilarious. It is satirical. It is bleak. It is romantic. It is beautiful. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of the great American movies, uh, the work of Billy, the the greatest work of Billy Wilder and one of the great, great American movies. And again, also a pretty fantastic New York movie um, altogether. So the, here are our choices for you. A Holiday Affair, Janet Lee and Robert Mitchum, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Die Hard and Home Alone, Fat Man with Mel Gibson, and uh, The Apartment and When Harry Met Sally. So I hope you've enjoyed this mini-sode. Again, go to commentary.org slash donate to join the commentary family of uh, donors. Uh, We would be very grateful and we'll be back tomorrow with our final mini-episode of 2021. For Abe, Christine, and Noah, I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.